This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the 18th Sunday after Pentecost, October 4th, 2020, for Trinity Commons. The principal text of the sermon is Exodus 20, verses 1 through 4, 7 through 9, 12 through 20. God's giving of the Ten Commandments to Moses at Mount Sinai. I have to confess that the Ten Commandments have always been a bit scary to me. I remember as a kid watching the old movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston, and the scene when he brings the tablets down is certainly kind of scary. The sky behind it is red. God's voice has been booming out of the clouds. We've just watched fire inscribe the words on the tablets. When I was a bit older, I remember being at a youth confirmation retreat, and one of the things that happened was that the kids were spread out in the church to pray, and the lights were turned off, and there were candles lit. And at some point, out of the darkness, we heard the voice of one of the male uh, retreat leaders began to read out each commandment. And then after each one was read, someone struck a hammer against like this nail and a piece of wood. So you would hear the commandment and you'd hear boom. It sort of echoed into the church. And while I'm not quite sure what they were going for, for me, the whole thing was a bit unnerving. As I got older, my experience with the Ten Commandments didn't really improve. By the mid-1990s, Roy Moore, then an Alabama Circuit Court judge, was getting a lot of press coverage because he had hung the Ten Commandments in his courtroom and had begun opening court sessions with prayer. Moore would eventually end up as the Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court and upped the ante by not just installing a plaque of the Ten Commandments, but instead having created and installed a two-and-a-half-ton granite monument to the Ten Commandments in the rotunda of the Supreme Court building. Needless to say, that got lots of press attention, and in the fall of 2003, when I was an eager young law student, we all hung out in the student lounge exchanging news and talking about whether or not Moore was going to be removed from the bench for ethics violations. While this was going on, of course, there were protests in Montgomery, people shouting in opposition to the monument, and then people shouting in favor of the monument, inciting oppression of religious freedom and the erosion of American Christian morals. In the court filings, the federal court around all of this, the argument was generally made that America was founded on Christian principles and that the Ten Commandments expressed those principles and to recover our morality as a state and a nation, we needed to acknowledge the sovereignty of God, specifically the Judeo-Christian God. And associated with all of this was what was became to be known as sort of the Christian right, traditional family values that seem to always be anti-LGBTQ and also against women and sexual independence and freedom. 
in the midst of all this, and all the signs and the yelling and this side for this thing and this side for that thing, the Ten Commandments seem to be sort of hurled as a spear against opponents. So, even as a grown-up, the Ten Commandments still seem a bit scary. But they're scary because our popular conversation has ripped them out of the original context and story where they appear. When we put them back into the story, like we hear them today, I think we can actually begin to bring them into focus. This moment of God giving the Decalogue, as these are sometimes called, which literally means the ten words, when God gives the commandments to the people of Israel, we are at a crucial turning point in the story of Exodus. God has shown God's self as a liberating God. God has brought the people out of slavery under Pharaoh. God has wielded the power of all creation to thoroughly defeat the Egyptians. God has provided food and water and led the people of Israel by night and day. And the Ten Commandments are given to a people that have been set free and are offered to continue that life of freedom as God's people. The commandments were not intended as some sort of litmus test or to be used as a spear or club to beat people over the head with. Instead, they were intended to bring the people of Israel into lasting relationship with God and with each other. The ten words spoken by God are the foundation of all the law that is to follow and are the foundation of the creation of Israel. Usually, the Ten Commandments, when we make a monument out of them, are displayed on two tablets with the first four commandments considered, considered to be related to God, and the last six to be our responsibilities to our community. To God, we owe a lot. We owe complete devotion, no exceptions. You shall have no other gods before me. And following from that, we shall not make for ourselves idols, and we shall not misuse God's name. To our community, we owe respect, respect of life, respect of relationships, and respect of property. We should honor our parents. We shall not murder. We shall not commit adultery. We shall not steal. We shall not bear false witness. We shall not covet. You can preach a sermon on each of these commandments, but this evening I want us to spend just a moment on considering the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The lectionary has shortened this commandment. The text goes on to say that on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the sun. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Taking Sabbath is not just about getting a day off each week, though that is a very important part of it. It is about grounding ourselves in the God of creation. If you notice when we read the full commandment, it comes back to the fact that God managed to create the universe in six days and then took a break on the seventh. God rested, and so should we. But it's not just a single individual gets a day off. God makes it a point 
point to say that this affects whole families, whole communities, it's your slaves, it's your employees, it's your livestock, it's foreigners that are passing through town. Everybody is to take time for rest. This is a powerful commandment when you think about it for people who had just come out of slavery. When their time was not their own, here God is telling them to take their time, to take time for rest. We know the rest of the story, that the people of Israel would again and again find themselves subject to foreign powers, and so to keep the Sabbath, to continue taking a break to honor God their Creator, meant to stand in opposition to the powers that were over them and reclaim that power for themselves. Also, keeping the Sabbath means making room for God in our schedule and in our life. And if you give yourself over to the world, the anxiety, the power, the greed, it is very easy to find yourself building an idol pretty quickly. But if you keep the Sabbath, you break the cycle. And by breaking the cycle, you are able to clear out the idols and just rest in God. Right now, it doesn't seem like there is any time for rest. With things moved online, classes and meeting and work, it never seems to end. We go from one link to the next, to the next, to the next. The news cycle grinds on, grabbing up every piece of controversy that it can then use to spin out. People are tired. So I think it's important that right now we remember that on those Ten Commandments is the very important one of God's commandment to take and keep the Sabbath. And that by doing so, we aren't just opting out of what's going on around us. We're not burying our head in the sand or ignoring the world. Instead, we are reclaiming the power given to us by God and making more space for God and less space for the idols of this world. The Ten Commandments were never meant to be a weapon of division. When we take the commandments off those monuments that people like to make of them and put them back into the story of our salvation, we can see again and remember why God came to Mount Sinai, that God came to offer a way to continue relationship. We can remember, or perhaps learn for the first time, that the law given by God begins in liberation, and it is given so that we can, even today, continue to live in God's loving, liberating, and life-giving spirit. Amen.